Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Owasso, Oklahoma. Our passion is to show that grace changes everything in Jesus Christ by equipping you to rest in worship, grow in community, and rediscover your calling. To join our body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at trinityowasso.com. Isaiah chapter 9. We are speaking in this season of Advent about the foretelling of Christ. The whole of the Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ and the Old Testament foretells about His beauty and of His coming. That Jesus would be the seed of the woman. That He would bruise Satan's head. That His bodily ascension to heaven would be illustrated. That the God of Shem would be the son of Shem, that the seed of Abraham would bless the nations, that he he is the promise made to Abraham's seed, that he is the priest over the order of Melchizedek, that he is the king of peace and righteousness, that he's the Passover lamb. He is the seed of Isaac. He is the lamb of God again that was promised. He is Isaac's seed. He is the bridge to heaven. He is the seed of Jacob. He is the coming one. He is the seed of Judah. He will be the Shiloh. He will be the one sent. He will be the one that comes from Judah. And unto him shall be the obedience of the people. All of the Old Testament speaks about the coming of Christ. And all that long list that I just read was only in Genesis. By the time you get to Isaiah chapter 9, you see a picture of one who is coming who is the Prince of Peace. And so... Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Holy Scripture given to us at the cost of many men's lives to translate it into English. We take it for granted, but please hear it with an ear to hear the Lord, for indeed it is His word. And it's intended to you with love. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Please. Jesus is the prince of peace. But he did not come to make us feel better about ourselves. 
Rather, he came to be a threat to every illegitimate ruler in your life. God comes to bring peace by showing us that we are fools ruled by the idols of our heart that have held us captive perhaps for many, many years. He's come to show us that he is indeed going to bring us peace, but we don't yet have what we want, at least not yet. To give you the peace that you so long for and the peace that he wants to give you, he has to first destroy you. He has to first help you untie the idols of your heart that you have bound with bailing wire and duct tape around your heart. He has come first to wrench your fingers off of those idols so that he can truly give you something far better. In the book of Isaiah, God appeared to Isaiah on holy ground in chapter 6. And then he told him to go prophesy to King Ahaz and say, Ahaz, judgment is coming to the people because they have turned from me. But there is going to be one who is born. There is going to be a child born who is going to redeem the people of Israel. Who is going to be the true and better Adam. The one who is going to come to redeem us once for all. He is going to be a king but unlike any king we have seen yet. He is going to rescue the fallen human heart. By conquering all of our enemies. Foreign and domestic. And he says in Isaiah chapter 8, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of fence. A rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble upon it. And they shall fall and be broken. And they shall snare, be snared and taken. And friends, this is good news for us. It is good news for us that Jesus comes and he loves you so much that he is going to break your peace this Christmas. To give you his peace, he has to first break you of your peace. And you know how I know that? You know how, because the other day, uh, Justin and Rainey, Rainey Stiles was at the office the other day, and they saw me getting a cup of coffee. And you know how I know that? It's because they caught me red-faced wiping tears off my eyes because I had just spent 10 minutes watching Christmas commercials. Don't do it. Like there should be a, a, a Surgeon General's warning on these Christmas commercials. Don't watch because sometimes they're so hard to get through. And they're not hard to get through because they're sappy and they're sentimental because yes, they definitely are that. They're hard to get through because I long in my heart for a Norman Rockwell Christmas. And I kind of have a National Lampoon Christmas. I watch these Christmas commercials and they just reveal things in my own heart about my own longing and my own idols. And as I was writing this sermon and I was watching these commercials, I began to sit at my desk and I began to weep. And at first I was weeping for you and then I started weeping for me. And so I just want to illustrate this passage with three Christmas commercials. Are you ready? I'm not going to show them. I'm going to tell you about them. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to watch them with your family on Christmas Day, to watch them on Christmas Day. Commercial number one. John Lewis and Partners, which is a British firm, have a commercial called The Beginner. Anybody seen this commercial yet? All right. The, the, the commercial starts with a middle-aged man about my age and he's got a helmet on and he is trying something that he should not try 
he should not be a beginner. Skateboarding. And the commercial opens up and this middle-aged man gets on a commercial and, and, and he gets on the skateboard and as soon as he gets on it slips out from under him and it rolls off the screen and just boom he lands on his back. Then he gets back up and he tries this again and again and again and, and with bruises he stumbles back into his house and he opens the fridge and he says, honey, do you have a pack of peas? Because he's looking for an ice pack. And he puts the ice pack on his arm. Then the next day it shows him trying again. He's trying to kick the skateboard up to catch it with his hand. And then the next day it shows him at work. And he's, trying to, he's, he's on the sly watching YouTube videos on how to skateboard. And the whole time we're watching this, we're like, what is going on? And then he gets back out there and he does it again. And the falls are even worse. And he's just like, oh, slam, bam. And he's just like just getting crushed with this new sport of skateboarding. And you don't know why in the world he's trying to do it. Finally, he pulls the skateboard up and he catches it with his hand and eventually he's on the half pipe and he actually survives and he can sort of skate. And of course, we're at a loss of why he's, you know, putting himself through what no middle-aged man ought to do. And till one day he's in the kitchen and he's, he help, he's helping his wife with dinner and the doorbell rings. And they walk up to the door and the door opens and there is a social worker. And she looks down and she says, I want you to meet Ellie. And Ellie is obviously a foster child coming into this home for the first time in Christmas. And what do you think she has in her hand? But a skateboard. Oh, it just kills me. The sacrifice that this man is making over and over and over again. You think that that description, wait till you see this commercial. I see, I see, yeah, wait till you see the commercial. It's a beautiful picture of what it's like to long to be home. The significance of the skateboard becomes clear when we understand his resolve to connect and to find common ground with this one who had no home, who was welcomed into their home for the very first time. In Isaiah chapter 9, we see Jesus from all eternity preparing to welcome us home. And in contrast to King Ahaz, who refused to listen and to obey God, the Lord will raise up a faithful king who will be born in time and who will reign in the future, as this was written in 750 B.C., in the original, in Hebrew, verse 2 actually begins chapter 9. It is verse 1 in the Hebrew Scriptures. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Listen to the parallelism. Notice it. The people who have walked in darkness, they dwelt in a land of deep darkness. And they have seen a light. Because on them a light has shone, which means that somebody is behind the spotlight, shining the light, preparing the way, welcoming them in to the light from the darkness. Like Ellie in the John Lewis and Company commercial, the Bible says that each of us are orphans. We are orphaned by our sin. We are orphaned by our rejection of wanting help from the Lord. We are left on our own. As the Puritans used to teach their children the ABCs, in Adam A, Adam's fall, we send all. And we 
the tragedy is are orphans because we left our father. But we wanted to go at it on our own. To our own way and to our own destruction. And we will therefore be destroyed unless we too are welcomed back in. Back home. Now you, you know this. Because you walk in darkness personally. And I know this because... Christmas just reveals the idols of my heart. And for some of you, you are running, you're running from God. And you um, just find Christmas to be just another tradition to endure. But um, you know how much you drink, especially around Christmas. And you know how you numb yourself because you watch more porn than anybody knows. And, and you know how you retail therapy, not just at Christmas, but all the time. Because you're numbing yourself to the idols of your heart. You are running from God. Don't you know this? You mean you know this in your heart. And Christmas only exacerbates the problem and it brings it out. And some of us, you know, we think, well, listen, I, I'm not running for God. I've kept myself pure. Maybe you, maybe you once struggled in certain areas and you're not. And you say, well, listen, I've kept my purity. I don't drink too much. I don't look at pornography. I'm faithful to my bride, my spouse. And you think, man, mm, I'm really holy. But what, what if, what if purity can't be something that you lose because you never had it to begin with? Like what if the gospel is actually deeper than that? Like, what if this Christmas you were to realize that the gospel is not just for those of you who are running from God, but it's also and especially for those of you who are running so hard for him? Do you remember in John chapter 8 when Jesus was talking with the Pharisees and they were arguing about Jesus and the self-righteous was just spewing out of these Pharisees and it was repulsive to everybody who was watching. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus interrupts their self-righteousness with what passage in the Old Testament? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. See that I am the light of the world. And if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they looked at Jesus, and they said, free? What are you talking about? We are not enslaved to anyone. We're offspring of Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, some of you sin out in the open. You're running from God, and some of you are really good at sinning in private. You've taken it from the outside to the inside because you're running for him. You're trying to be so good to keep God close to you that you might somehow maintain his love for you because you do believe that unless you work hard, you're going to lose the love of the Father in heaven. And you know what I'm talking about because you know how exhausted and how tired you are and how so many people in this city are just exhausted by just more things to do for Jesus to love them. 
And it's about to get worse. Jesus says in John chapter 8, not only are you exhausted and are you tired because you're running for him to please him as orphans, but then Jesus says, I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. You are doing the works your father did. You are of your father, the devil. So friends, not only are we orphaned because of our sin, But we have been abandoned by our own father, the evil one, who we tend to serve without any question. Why? By not paying attention to the idols of our hearts. And the way that that shows up in the church is it breeds a kind of repulsive self-righteousness that it bred in the scribes and the Pharisees. And I know by the nodding of your heads that you know that this is true, not only because you've seen it, but because you know it's true in your own heart and it's true in mine. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus says in John 10, 34, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Why? Because you need to let those idols go. Jesus has taken the bumps and the bruises. He has learned to do the incarnation. He learned obedience through what he suffered. He didn't get the pack of peas to help him with his bruises. He got a cross. He didn't get the consolation of his wife in the evenings when he came home with skinned knees. He got the consolation of a scourging for you. Don't you know that this precious baby boy, this one, this one who had to have his diaper changed, this, this young man who grew up to, to know what it was like with the angst of being a teenager, this, this, this young early 20s guy who's, he knew what it was like to try to figure out what is he called to do, how am I going to follow my father's footsteps and be a carpenter, this one who starts out on his journey in ministry, like Jesus learned what it was like to be human for you. And he said it was worth it. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Have you seen it? Would you take that light and would you allow the Holy Spirit to shine it on your heart? And would you allow him to wrench your fingers off the idols of your heart and allow him to be able to minister to you in the place where you need to be ministered most this Christmas. Some of you are running from him. Most of you are running for him. And the good news of the gospel is you, you can stop running because his righteousness is enough. And if you serve him, please serve him with joy because you have his love. Do not serve him with joy because you're trying to earn it. That is exactly what the Pharisees and the scribes did. Commercial number two is a Doc Morris commercial. Doc Morris is a German pharmacy company. I don't know if anybody has heard of Doc Morris. Um, the commercial starts out there are no words in this commercial. Starts out with an older man. He has to be in his mid to late 80s. He rises from bed in his baby blue pajamas and he slips his feet into his slippers to start his day. And as he's walking down his hallway in his house, he walks by a 
wall strewn with family photos through the decades and and there he he sees this picture of him obviously it's him in his earlier years a strapping athlete of a man looks like he just finished running a marathon and there's a picture of his family and he and he glances ever so subtly outside and he sees a juniper tree that one of his neighbors had decorated with Christmas lights to look like a Christmas tree and he gets this solemn expression on his face and next thing he knows he walks he walks outside in his slippers and he goes into goes into his his shed and he's he's looking under boxes and he's looking out for for you know something you don't know what it is and he, and he pulls under underneath this stack of tools he pulls out this kettlebell have you seen this commercial he pulls out this kettlebell and he takes this kettlebell in his baby blue pajamas and in his slippers and he reaches down and he does a pull this kettle and he he's like really works this kettlebell and he's trying to pull it all the way outside. He's pulling it outside of his, of his shed and he gets outside and he just goes and he drops the kettlebell. And, and this neighbor lady who, who's trimming her hedges looks over the fence at him and just sneers at him with just disgust like you're going to hurt yourself doing that. Crazy old man. The next day you see him put on tennis shoes and he goes back out to this barn and he grabs that kettlebell, the kettlebell and he picks that kettlebell up and he gets it and he pulls it up and he gets it to his knees. Next day you see him again. Now he's got his, you know, circa 1982 sweatsuit on and he's walking out to this shed and he's trying to work this kettlebell. And he pulls it up and he pulls it up to his thigh and he's really working this kettlebell on and on and on every day. One morning he's getting coffee and he's thinking about not doing the kettlebell workout and he goes back and he goes in the shed and he grabs that kettlebell and he gets it up and he's, you can see him getting stronger. You can see him getting, getting um, thicker. He's getting stronger. He's getting, you know, he's, 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 he's lost his strength and he's regaining it. It's beautiful. The next scene, you see it snow, and, and you see this, the same lady who sneered at him yesterday laughing at him with neighbor friends as, as he works this kettlebell out. And he gets this kettlebell up, and he gets it like this. Ugh! And you can just see him start to do these workouts, these workouts again and again and again. And, and you wonder, what in the world is he doing? And then the day comes. He's all dressed up in his nice coat and his bow tie, and he grabs the package. And he, and he drives down the street in his car and he comes to his, uh, to his, uh, his daughter's house and, and he says hi to his daughter on Christmas Eve. It's wonderful. They, they, they embrace. And then he walks past his daughter and who does he see? He sees his granddaughter bounding down the stairs in her little, her auburn hair and her red dress and, and he hands her the present. And of course she opens the present and what's in the present? You know, the, it's the star on top of the tree. And then her father walks toward her and he's going to help her. And, he, and, and the old man stops, stops the father and he takes the little girl. What does he do? You got it. He lifts her up. The same motion. And he lifts her and he puts, she puts the star on the tree. You know you love it. I can see it in your eyes, right? Doc Morris, it's this beautiful picture of one who was weak gaining strength so that he might lift us up right it's a beautiful picture of of the gospel and it's a beautiful picture of what he says you have multiplied the nation you have increased its joy they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoils and this time in isaiah's history more and more people are beginning to believe they're beginning to turn to the promise of god and they're beginning to say ah we do trust we do believe we do see it and the one with strength is coming who will lift us up. 
And it says that he lifts them up in three ways. The three fours that you see in verse 4 through 7. Uh, first, for the yoke of his burden. He lifts the burden off the people. In verse 5, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle in every generation, he brings justice. He doesn't just lift the burden, but he brings justice to the land. And then verse 6, for to us a child is born, and this child will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He brings one who will reign forever. He lifts the burden, he brings justice, and he reigns forever. And there's four titles that are given to him. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This ruler's counsel will transcend the wisdom of all human nations. He would possess the power of Mighty God. He would be greater than King Ahaz and Sennacherib in Assyria and Nebuchadnezzar to come and Caesar to come and any other human God. And he would be the Prince of Peace. That as most kings gain peace through war, this one would gain peace through sacrifice. And the author of Hebrews says that we have seen this as a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. Last commercial. It illustrates uh, verse 7. It's a Publix commercial. Publix is a large grocery store train, uh, chain. This one shows a medical resident. You may have seen this one. It's an older commercial. It's a good one. Medical resident. He's calling home. He's on his rounds. It's Christmas morning. He says, I wish I could be there too. I love you guys. I know. He hears his name called over the intercom and he says, uh, I guess I got to go. And he hangs up the phone and he goes to see his patient. Nurses ask him, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to see your family for Christmas? He goes, no, no, everybody's up at my parents' house. His shift ends. He leaves the hospital. He gets on the bus, which is empty. He walks down streets that are totally empty. This is like Christmas morning. And he feels nostalgia for his family as he comes into his apartment complex. And he checks the mail and he calls his mom up one more time. He says, mom, just, would you just tell everybody, you know, Merry Christmas for me. And he can hear them making the green bee casserole in the background, getting the turkey ready. He can hear everybody's there. And he just wants to be there so bad. And he opens his apartment. And he opens his apartment. And as soon as he does, who does he see? But his whole family has come to him. Now, some of you who are relatively um, new to church or who are looking for a church, the beauty of the gospel is not just that God invites you into a personal relationship with him. Yes, he does that. And yes, he gives you a righteousness that's not your own. Yes, he does that. Takes away your sins and he gives you something far better. He gives you himself and his own righteousness. But he welcomes you into a home that you've longed to have. He welcomes you into his body, the church that is made up of fallible human people. The only perfect person in this place is Jesus. But man, he's called us to be family together. He's called us to fight for each other. He's called us to know each other. He's called us to welcome each other home. In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, chapter 9, at the very end in verse 7, it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
to establish it and to uphold it with justice. Do you know what it means to be on the throne of David? It means to live in a kingdom where you are always welcome, perfectly accepted. You can lay your deadly doings down and you can rest on his finished work for you. And it's Jesus, friends, who opened that door. He didn't come to make us feel good about ourselves, but rather he came to be a threat to every illegitimate ruler in our life. And to make that happen, he gives you something better. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father whose reign will have no end. And he is the Prince of Peace. He lifts you up at the cost of his own life. And he gives you a righteousness that you could never earn in order to truly welcome you home. Now in part, when he returns, we will know that fully. Amen? If you are still clinging to the idols of your heart, and you are, would you pray before you come to the Lord's Supper, Lord, would you shine a light on my heart to help me recognize those things that I'm still holding back from you? And then would you trust the Lord? Would you trust him? His righteousness is enough for you that he wants to give you something better. Let's do that together. Knowing that Christ himself covers you as the one who came to shine light in the darkness. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Trinity, please visit our website at trinityowasso.com.